Hi everyone. I've been personally very blessed as we have been going through the character of Abraham recently through our DT passages, our current They Walk With God series. And for some of you who have earlier service for Inner High, you've also got to hear Roy's message on Genesis 14 on Abraham. And as we go through these various texts, I appreciate how much Abraham has changed over the years as he walked with God, as our message series is called. His transformation was certainly not instantaneous or magical. It was not like Abraham went from being this cowardly, self-preserving liar into a giant of faith, a person of courage and compassion after God cast a magic spell over him. No, rather it was a long process. And as Abraham continued to walk with God, to honestly express his doubts, to ask his nagging questions, to express his fears as we saw him do in Genesis 15 in Monday's DT text, we see Abraham changing over a period of time. And this is encouraging for all of us because we see that God is a God of processes. God doesn't zap people and change them instantly. He doesn't do that with people like Abraham and Moses and David in the Bible, which means that it's safe to say that he will not do that with us. But instead, God uses the process of time, the different events and interactions in our day-to-day life to change us as well over time as we walk with Him too. To the first part of today's DT text in verses 1 through 22, we see these three mysterious figures appear. And as it turns out, one of them is God, and the other two are angelic beings who are accompanying God. And those two angels in Genesis 19 go to Sodom to investigate how sinful the people there had become. I thought the picture that we get of Abraham here is really neat as he busily gets things ready for these three unexpected guests. He's a very generous and gracious host. So even though it's really hot as we're told in verse 1, and even though we know that he is 99 years old at this point, we picture him running back and forth, barking out instructions as he prepares a feast for these honored guests. Now, of course, we read that Abraham quickly assessed that these were no ordinary men, and he was somehow able to discern that one of them was even God. But still, it's inspiring and heartwarming to see this 99-year-old grandpa zipping around because he wants to honor God so much. And we might say, well, of course, I would do the same if God showed up at my front door with two angels. Then I would try to apply everything that we learned from Ray when he gave us his presentation on how to make uh, tasty dishes at this past Saturday staff meeting, and I would prepare a feast too for God and the angels. True. I think if God showed up at Fairfax Square Apartments with two angels at your apartment, you would scramble and prepare the best of foods. But even if God doesn't literally show up at our front door in Fairfax, let me ask you this. How many opportunities do we have in a given week to quote-unquote host God as we come before His Word in DT every morning through our alertness, through giving our best focused attention by being all there 100% in our nightly household time of prayer, in our Bible equipping times? Does our attitudes and eagerness match the picture of Abraham here? that we are eager to honor God by bringing our very best to those times with Him. Now moving onward to verse 20 and 21, we read, Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see 
whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. As the judge of all the earth, as it says in verse 25, God receives the outcry of every sin. This indeed is a sobering thought, and it's fitting that as judge of the entire earth, that he would receive the outcry of all our sins. And in verse 21, he says, I will go down to see. Now, this phrase is similar to Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel text, where it reads, and the Lord came down to see the city. And of course, God knows everything and sees everything. And without having to physically come down and find out what's going on, God knows everything. But still, this description shows how engaged and how attentive God is to how we are living. And it's very much opposite to the common misunderstanding out there of God being this distant and aloof God. In verse 17, we're given insight into God's thoughts. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? And God not only tells Abraham what he's about to do, I believe God actually invites Abraham to share in his burdens. So after God decides that he's going to let Abraham know about his impending judgment on the cities, in verse 22, they have this one-on-one -on -one conversation. Without this incident, we would see Abraham as a man of faith, to be sure, but we wouldn't see him as a man of intense compassion and mercy as well. And Abraham here courageously asks if God would sweep away the righteous along with the wicked, and God assures him that he will not. Abraham then asks about 50 righteous, 40, 30, 20, down to 10 righteous people in the city. And in Abraham's repeated questions, he's not being annoying or clueless. But from his questions and God's responses to Abraham, we see that God and Abraham have come to understand one another's hearts. And Abraham has changed quite a bit from the person who selfishly prioritized just saving his own neck when he gave up Sarah to the Egyptian pharaoh years ago. And here in this incident, he's almost risking his own life multiple times by speaking up for the people of Sodom. And you can tell he's scared, but he still keeps pressing God on this, saying, God, surely you won't do this. Surely you will be compassionate towards everyone for the sake of the righteous. And there is nothing for Abraham to personally gain by doing this. Yes, his nephew Lot lives in Sodom, but Remember, Lot is the one who was this ingrate of a nephew and who took the better land from Uncle Abraham when Abraham offered him a choice. And Lot was more than willing to part from his Uncle Abraham for wealth. And I think it shows how gracious, how, how much like God Abraham has become by this point in that Abraham is willing to stick out his own neck to go to such great length in order to try to obtain mercy for someone like his nephew Lot. And through this conversation between Abraham and God, we see just how merciful God is. For the reality is that no one was innocent of sin. There is not even one person who is truly righteous. Yet God was willing to spare the entire city for 10 quote-unquote righteous people. And sadly, it turned out that there were not even 10 such people in the entire city. Sodom had become that immoral and decadent. But God's willingness to spare an entire city for 10 people shows how gracious and generous God is. And I think this is a picture of God's generosity and grace.
to us as well. And this quote-unquote slowness in God executing his judgment is also a picture of how God is slow to execute judgment upon us as well. And as it says in Romans 2, 4, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So in light of today's text, and in light of God's generosity and kindness and forbearance and patience towards us, let's daily repent quickly of our sins. And let's daily confess and acknowledge our sins so that we will not presume upon God's kindness. Okay, bye everyone. Have a good rest of the day.